the way I work with the spirit of mushrooms, it's and the appreciation that I have for the medicine is in bringing us into a state of conscious awareness of the magic that's already here, that's already unfolding in every given moment in our nature, in our hearts, uh, in all the beauty that is surrounding us. So to me, it's a gateway to deepen my uh, appreciation and my perspective into the beauty that's already here. Welcome to the Way of the Healer Conversations for Change podcast. I'm your host, Darieth Chisholm. Here, you'll meet some of the world's most extraordinary thought leaders and experts, iconic artists and creators, top performing athletes, successful entrepreneurs, philanthropists, spiritual teachers, shamans, healers, and many, many more. They sit with me, an Emmy award-winning TV host and former news anchor turned filmmaker and life and business coach for some powerful conversations for change. What are these conversations about? Healing. Healing, healing all aspects of our mind, body, soul, spirit, this planet, each other, and the systems and structures we're currently living in. You'll learn about topics like plant medicine and psychedelics, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, conscious communication, the new earth, quantum leaping, multidimensional living, pleasure, play, and sexuality, breath work, sound healing, food and supplements, and ah, there's just so much. You're just going to need to subscribe to the channel and listen. Come with me now behind the curtain to get the backstory on how and why these remarkable people heal themselves and others, how they lead, what makes them tick, what lights them up, gets them down, keeps them going, and what they believe is the way of the healer. So let's go. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of hosting Anahita Anais Persigian, a remarkable Iranian-born multidisciplinary leadership advisor, microdosing expert, and psychedelics facilitator. With over 12 years of integrative practice, Anahita guides impact leaders on a transformative journey of healing and alignment. Anahita's exceptional ability to help clients heal from complex chronic illnesses has garnered her an impressive track record. She's also the founder and chief editor at microdoseguru.com, an organization dedicated to allowing the access of quality psychedelic education and resources for mental health and harm reduction. In this enlightening episode, we talk about the intriguing world of mindful microdosing versus brodosing or macro dosing. We'll explain all of that. And Anahita shares her expertise on how mushrooms work in the brain and psyche, unraveling the mystical and magical experiences that often accompany their consumption. We explore the significance of journaling and capturing these experiences for future exploration and understanding. So join us now as we navigate the essential aspects of preparation, planning, the journey itself, and post-experience with psychedelics. So much to talk about on this episode. So let's go. Plant medicine, psychedelics, and cannabis have really helped me deepen my meditation practice and morning routine. 
And while you don't necessarily need our plant natural allies to assist you in meditation, I find that with meditation, I'm able to have more clarity, direction, purpose, and allow divine guidance and wisdom to flow through me. Stillness and quieting the mind allows you to access more of who and what you truly are. And that's where you can activate more creative expression and fulfillment of your dreams. As a gift to you, my friends, I've designed a special high frequency activation to help you encode, embrace, and elevate your consciousness to ignite your creativity and passion. It's free and available for a limited time. Go to dariuth.com forward slash meditations to receive a guided meditation series with journal prompts and attuned high frequency sound waves. That's dariuth.com forward slash meditations. You know, I think I find it so fitting to probably start with this first question, Anahita, and that is, what is so magical about mushrooms? <laughs> what a beautiful <laughs> question. <laughs> I just love that. Um, uh, I would have to say that the way I work with the spirit of mushrooms it's and the appreciation that I have for the medicine is in bringing us into a state of conscious awareness of the magic that's already here, that's already unfolding in every given moment in our nature, in our hearts, uh, in all the beauty that is surrounding us. So to me, it's a gateway to deepen my uh, appreciation and my perspective into the beauty that's already here. And aren't they such a perfect conduit to that? The, and, mm -hmm. and the spirit is just such a, in many ways, a light and beautiful conduit into a, a deeper knowing of ourselves, a deeper connection to consciousness and all that is. Mm, absolutely. It's just the opening to remove our, you know, from we're learning this on a scientific level as well of how much that are filters that we have in place to help us function in cognitive ways and direct energy in linear ways is just removed. And so it's nothing new that's coming, that's the happening. It's just that my perspective is enhanced to notice more of what's already unfolding around me. And so in that way, they're this beautiful medicine of opening of my perspective so that I can see more of the unfolding beauty. Yeah. And there's so much that we will talk about. Uh, and I'm so grateful for you saying yes to being a guest on the way of the healer. So thank you so much. I'd love to actually start though with, with this, this, the prevalence right now in, in the psychedelics industry, um, which is, is so talked about, right? And the, the prevalence for, uh, and the need for people to really understand the use, and particularly whether it's in microdosing with mushrooms and certainly macrodose, safety, efficacy, all of that, um, I know that you care so deeply about. And so if we start there with a better understanding of, of of where we stand, right, in this psychedelics industry and how those that are just beginning to understand this can appreciate um, the, the nuances that are there, that they are, that we are um, at a time and a space that they're available, but 
we should do so with reverence and respect. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yes, absolutely. Such such an important question and topic to consider. I think there's multiple layers to this. One, specifically with relation relationship with mushrooms, because I think I think there's variations. Uh, specifically with mushrooms which grow easily, grow in nature. Um, and if we go on a hike and we know our mushrooms in the Pacific Northwest or parts of Vermont, we'll probably find them. And to me, there is a personal relationship with the plant that's coming out of the ground that is intended for us to have access to uh, as an individual. And so to me, that layer is very important where we're not gatekeeping access to medicines and saying, well, you can't access this medicine or it has to be in this context. If the medicine's coming out of the ground and is consumable in that form, I think that every individual uh, has in a way by being in nature, being given the rights to access that medicine and explore. Now, are there layers of how much and the consciousness and the practices and it really ultimately depends on what's the outcome that we're looking for and so um, the reality of it is that despite all the research that's happening and all the beautiful clinical things and even the ceremonial layers that are unfolding most people do not have access to them most people won't have access to have a guided experience whether in a clinical setting or in a shamanic ceremonial setting and most people will end up exploring and experimenting on their own. So some of the work around this container is harm reduction, which is really important because the reality of it is that most people are going to experiment at least the first few times on their own or or with their friends. So within within that space, the recommendation is just like with everything else, to allow some sovereign space to experience what it is and to develop a relationship and start slow and develop from there. And I think sometimes we come to these medicines from like, I want to feel it, I want to experience it with a level of excitement, which is wonderful. Uh, But to also do so slowly and mindfully, and yes, with reverence, because these medicines are coming out of the ground and they hold potent keys and wisdom for our consciousness, for our health and well-being. And not only just that, but that a lot of the traditions that have guided and held these medicines over thousands of years have done, do, done so uh, in great cost for sometimes their liberty and, and their freedoms and they've safe kept these traditions and handed them all the way to us so that we can have a safer container for practice. So it's multifaceted, multi-layered. I try to stay away from you know, saying this is the right way or anything outside of this is not inappropriate. Uh, but ultimately, I firmly you know, trust the medicines to also guide us so that if somebody is unconsciously utilizing psychedelics, and again, unconsciously is what? If it's not in my consciousness and I don't know any better, you know, there's no fault in that. But that if we're just attuned enough where I didn't feel good when I combined mushrooms with bunch of tequila, you know, or, or I consumed too much in a intense festival setting that there's already a wisdom that unfolds from that experience that if I integrate that, I'm like, I'm going to try something differently next time that they're speaking to us. It's not some knowledge that we need to go out there and acquire of just how to develop a relationship. If I'm just listening enough and adjusting, then I'm going to develop that relationship sovereignly with the medicines 
Now, of course, when we have the gift of access to wisdom in you know, settings where there are individuals who've carried the wisdom or studied with people who have carried the wisdom in ceremonial settings, thank goodness in communal settings that are unfolding and popping up more and more all over the country, that that's the gift of community that comes together in conscious use and reverence. And we say, okay, here is the appropriate way. So there is no fault in not knowing, but there is, but once we know, we can't ignore you know, the knowledge of how do I approach these medicines. And if I ignore that, that there's a cost to that, that shows up in my consciousness and shows up in my journey. Um, so that's, that's on the more recreational and outside of clinical setting, but even in clinical settings, we're still developing an understanding of what's safe and the harm reduction systems. Because I think sometimes we have this perspective that just because it's in clinical setting, it must be safe. And it's not so. I think what we really need is the combination of ancient wisdom and new science coming together to create a holistically safe and effective environment for us to practice. Do you suspect that we will see that happening within the therapeutic realm? There is some conversations, you know, it really, I think, will ultimately depend on whoever is putting together and designing a program and a curriculum. And some of that might come a little bit later um, to once we, ultimately, it's about measuring what's effective. And so if we're able to, in a scientific clinical setting, measure the efficacy of a pure clinical approach, a combination approach, or just a ceremonial approach on its own, and then see where we can have the most profound effects and safety of the container, that it's likely that over time that will unfold. Yeah, you know, there is so much to talk about here in terms of uh, use and whether it's use in a therapeutic uh, setting and or in within community or at a retreat or, or certainly with someone who is a medicine holder. Uh, and then of course you could be at home and try them. Uh, and so backing up for a moment, particularly for people who are curious and perhaps have not had any experience with psilocybin or mushrooms, what is what would you recommend for people uh, who are curious and open and on the fringe or in the space of, of or having the opportunity to almost decide on any particular use, but unsure, what would you suggest? Mm, oh my goodness, difficult one to answer because I think each individual have very unique needs and be served in a different way. But there's a couple things to consider from a harm reduction standpoint. Uh, number one is if individuals are currently taking any kind of medications for psychiatrics, uh, we would definitely want to have a guided experience or go through some medical monitoring beforehand. Uh, anyone with heart conditions or blood pressure, they would definitely want to go through a medical review and clearing before engaging. So I would not recommend home practice for these individuals. Anyone with a family history of serious psychiatric illness like bipolar or schizophrenia, again, they, there are some counterindications with high dose psychedelics that we would want to consider. So besides some of that, and of course the legality issues. So everyone would have to just review their local laws and regulations and make informed decisions for themselves with all the risks in mind. So besides some of that, uh, you know, obvious harm reduction layers, then it really comes down to if there, if how is my nervous system usually operating when I'm out of control? 
And so if I have a tendency to have a nervous system that doesn't do well when I'm losing control and I feel like I have to have a lot of control in my life, then it's usually better that these individuals consider at least having their first experience in a guided setting because psychedelics truly take away that layer of control and identity and it can be a bit terrifying for people. And so for individuals to go through that guided experience would be preferred. Now, if that's not something that's happening and I generally feel good, I really would like to explore psychedelics for the first time. I've been hearing about them. I'm curious, I'm open, I want to expand consciousness, I want to deepen my connection with myself, then wonderful. So then in that case, we're really looking at set and setting. So set referring to our mindset. How am I doing? You know, if I'm having a rough time going through a complicated divorce or something similar, it might not be the best time in the depth of intensity when I haven't processed all the emotions to go into a large dose experience. Um, if uh, I'm feeling resourced and things are generally going pretty well in my life, I might feel like I would benefit a little bit more from having a deeper connection to myself. Then again, that's a good time for my mindset feels solid and positive generally, that it's a good time for me to engage on a personal practice on my own, self-guided practice. The other layer of this is setting the environment. And so putting myself in an environment that is safe, that I feel safe in, that I can retreat into a comfort, that there is some temperature control, that I can have isolation if I need to, ideally with elements of nature in space, ideally with noise control. Um, and if I am engaging with other people, that I feel comfortable and I trust them in their presence. So some of that is on the personal front and also always starting slow, you know, small, and you can always, the way psilocybin especially works is that you can always just add a little bit more to your dose and it will work. And so slowly approaching, you can always take more, you can't take less. And that's what we always say in this space. And so some of it is that dosing and safety, but the other layer of this is obviously the ritual and the reverence. And these medicines give what we put in. And so if I come with this kind of passive, I'm just going to try it, you know, for lack of a better word, colonial approach to these medicines, I'm just going to take it, that it just, the effects of it and the benefits that we can receive from it will be vastly diminished. Then if I show up with reverence, I give thanks to Mother Earth for its gifts, I give thanks to the spirit that's coming through this medicine, I take a few moments to really drop into my body to ground, to give thanks, to ask for guidance from spirit, whatever my practice might be, you know, whether it's God or spirit or angels or mother earth, it doesn't matter, but connect with a source that's guiding that spirit that's coming through this plant, uh, that there's something really powerful that happens in that moment of presence and gratitude and ritual. Yeah. You really point out what a beautiful, uh, opportunity it is for us to be with the plants in a spirit of, uh, of gratitude and not just I'm taking this because I'm expecting that I'm going to feel this certain way or that I want to, you know, have a really good time, but that I am truly in connection to the spirit of the medicine and here for, for that experience. And I, I often wonder for, for people who, uh, who have had no experience and are questioning because they have in their mind that this is a so-called 
party drug that if not in the awareness of, as you point out, the spirit, that that can sometimes take a backseat or maybe not even be acknowledged in the entire experience at all. Yeah, absolutely. Our intention matters so much. It's the spirit and the energy that I put behind this prayer and this medicine, and I ask it to show me something. And there is nothing wrong for us to want to feel good. And so many, so often when we're going into the party setting, is that what's the intention? Is that I want to feel joy. I want to feel happiness. I want to feel connection. Well, great. Let's bring that intention into the medicine. It doesn't have to be, I want to heal and, you know, have a hard time. And also yeah. the story around healing has having to be a difficult thing is just another story. But it's, we don't have to necessarily just come to these medicines, you know, on our knees. We can come to these medicines on our feet dancing. But when I'm just coming with that intention, I'm putting that intention, I'm conscious of it. I'm saying, I just want to feel great. Thank you, Spirit, for making me, helping me feel great and opening up more to yeah. feeling that sense of gratitude and joy and happiness. It's incredible what can happen, whether you're dancing or sitting and praying or singing or chanting, it really doesn't matter as much. Yeah, intention is so, so very powerful and coming, as you said, whether it's on your knees or on your feet <laughs> um, is, is, is really important. Did you know that beyond this podcast that I help busy entrepreneurs, storytellers, artists, creatives, and healers who might be feeling a little bit bored and burnt out and trying to figure out what to do next and what's my purpose in life, really find those answers? How? Oh, I say it's through shifting. It's just a matter of shifting your vibration and your frequency to higher states of consciousness and awareness in order to find the answers and live the life that we truly desire to live. So if you want to become a deliberate conscious creator who is enjoying the creations and the manifestations that you are experiencing in life, then I invite you to be a part of a very special five-week intensive. You can get all the details at dariath.com forward slash shift to learn more. You can experience wholeness, personal freedom, expanded states of creativity, confidence and flow while achieving your goals and flourishing in your unique gifts and talents. After this podcast episode, please head over to dariath.com forward slash shift to learn more about it. So what is happening in the brain? Uh, if, if, if you're able to kind of give us a, a baseline uh, third grade explanation of, of how mushroom psilocybin actually uh, works works in the brain. It's incredible that we're still understanding and studying and we don't have a firm, solid answer to that. We have some theories, some, you know, rooted theories and how psilocybin works in our body. What we do know is that when psilocybin is uh, metabolized in the body, the molecule of psilocybin, which is the active ingredients in magic mushrooms, it becomes psilocin. So it's transformed into psilocin. And psilocin in its molecular structure is only two hydrogen molecules away from serotonin, which is the happy hormone in our body, in our brain. And so the theory is that it binds to our serotonin receptors and it has a very similar effect to an SSRI. 
And so what an SSRI does is that it's a serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, which what they do is that we have certain amount of serotonin in our brain. It usually gets reabsorbed through our receptors and something like an SSRI blocks that reabsorption causing a heightened, heightened amount of serotonin in the brain. Therefore we feel great. And so the theory is that it's working in a similar fashion when it comes to the serotonin receptors causing a heightened sense of mood um, and joyfulness. So that's some of the theory around it. The other layer of this is that what we do know through fMRIs, this is valid and verified, is that it reduces the activities of the default mode network. And default mode network are a series of functions and processes that happen in the brain and that when they're really hyperactive, they help us focus, they help us direct thought, they help us think about the past or the future. So it is a system that when it's really active, we have very limited um, limited neural connections and thoughts happening in the brain, which helps us focus. Um, whereas when the default mode network is not as active, we have a heightened activity happening in the brain. Lots of neural connections, lots of flying um, signals. And what really that does is a couple different things. One, it is an opportunity for us to think in new ways. And so when I have all these different signals happening, there's a lot happening that I have access to think in new ways and make new neural connections because I have access to do that. So it enhances creativity. It enhances my ability to notice patterns of thought and behavior that would often be in the subconscious and I wouldn't be able uh, to notice them as much. The other thing that it does is that it reduces rumination because my most practiced thoughts, uh, which are my ruminating thoughts that cause anxiety or depression, often associated with uh, anxiety and depression, are not just one of the many different options that are happening in my consciousness. And so it allows me again the opportunity to rewire those thinking new ways and as a result likely reducing symptoms of anxiety, depression. And does this, when that happens, is that something that, that happens momentarily or with that experience? Is there a, a long-term effect when you are continuing taking or can you have that happen one time and you're good to go? Great question. So I think it really matter. It, it really varies person to person. I practice in two different ways. There is the microdosing practice, which to me is the longer term integrative practice. If I want to experience subtle shifts and changes over a long period of time and help me change patterns of thought and behavior, I found that to be the most effective system. Or the larger dose experience. The larger dose experiences sometimes, and this is you know, in clinical setting, we're looking at this where individuals can have a single experience and they're no longer qualified for depression or PTSD, depending on the type of treatment that they're receiving. Now, of course, this is in combination with psychotherapy. So it's therapy, it's, it's like it's psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. So it's a combination with psychotherapy that's happening in those places. And a lot of times in non-clinical settings, what we're really seeing is when individuals come to these medicines, sometimes with a lot of intention, ceremonial practice and preparation, that a new level of consciousness sometimes can unfold that will reframe a past experience. So this is where the opportunity for us to rewire an old pattern or thought is very present. So that if I all of a sudden have a new consciousness and perspective towards an event that happened long time ago, and that shift in perspective 
helps me see the entire situation through a different lens where I'm no longer the victim or I can see what was happening that it wasn't personal or something that happened in my life in the past has a new frame around it is that coming out of it I could be forever changed so that's another option but it doesn't always happen it really depends on how I'm guided where I'm going what are the other things that are unfolding in my consciousness so sometimes I can go through one experience and have this profound healing through that shift in perspective that lasts forever um, or I can experience an enhancement in my mood that lasts six months and then I might have to go and try another session and have my mood enhanced for another longer period perhaps this time so it really varies why we're engaging with the practice um, but one thing is for sure is that we want to allow enough time in between sessions to integrate and have a solid integrative framework so often we go and get blasted off with these profound experiences and we're wide open and a lot of information comes in but I move right back into my old patterns of my life and nothing really feels like it's lasting so what helps a lot of this last is the integrative system that helps me change my patterns of thought, behavior, environment, habits uh, that support long-lasting change. Yeah, integration is so, so, so very important. It is, it's, it, it is, I, in my own personal experience, um, been of so much value to me that if I weren't aware of the need of it, then I've, I probably would have been lost probably. I mean, in all honesty, like just because of so much of my old framework and old programming being completely shifted and changed and then trying to on my own integrate what was happening without proper integration, I, I can't even imagine like in, and I would like to think that with all of the beautiful people that I know in this space and all that I've read and researched and all that I have experienced in my own personal journeys that I thought I knew enough and I realized that I really didn't. And that's why integration is so, so important. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, even when we come from the background of integration, you know, even when I'm teaching integration, there is so often we have blind spots when it comes to our own processes that we don't see is that a lot of times in relationship and reflection with another individual that is um, trained and understands the space can be so profoundly helpful to just have another perspective, another layer to support us. And I'm all for it. Personally, I work with other integration specialists when I go through a largest experience and we, of course, hold this space for many people coming through and the changes are truly profound. Yeah, yeah. I want to get into talking more about microdosing and certain protocols and, and what you might encourage for people. Um, but before we dive into that, just kind of tailoring back to, to, to this conversation about uh, integration and the, the uh, sometimes experiences that may, people might even have post an experience, right? Like it's, you, you somehow feel as though you're having an, another journey, maybe when you're sleeping or, or entering a different, uh, 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 right before you go to sleep. And like just even those moments, knowing how to, to, to manage or to experience with as much success as possible. What would you, how, what would you say to someone who might still be having some subsequent 
journey experiences post their original journey? Mm -hmm. Great question. I think so much of it is allowing us ourselves grace and time and space to feel what whatever is coming up for us. So often, we just want it to get past it. And we resist what's unfolding. And so in the frameworks of integration, what's really key and important is my ability to regulate my emotions because sometimes this can be very activating. So learning a couple very simple techniques of okay, breathing and relaxing back into the body and allowing whatever process is coming through to just come through knowing. And we have a saying in medicine space, the only way out is through. So this is unfolding right now. Me resisting it is only going to complicate it. So I'm going to actually create space to be present with whatever is unfolding right now. Not try to analyze it, allow it to go through my system and process. And then when I feel grounded, to give myself introspective practices to analyze, to process it, so which is freeform writing, journaling, movement, now, a lot of times we get in our head, but sometimes the energy just wants to move through me. So getting up and moving, having a playlist that supports me in my integration process and going out into nature, offering whatever's coming through, through my hands and gardening or whatever it is into the dirt and allowing that, that to just come through me because we are so accustomed to want to analyze everything and put thought and cognition behind every energy that's moving through me, that we forget that sometimes it's just energy that I can process in different ways, whether it's movement or singing and chanting or beating a pillow, for God's sake. It's just let it go. None of this holding is really serving. But if something, and this is what I say, it's like psychedelic medicines are not vague. <laughs> 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 Nothing to figure out. And we get this a lot in integration where people are like, well, what is it trying to tell me? Nothing. Please <laughs> come to your consciousness. And it's really important. It will be in your face over and over and over again. This isn't a mystery to solve. None yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. it. It is interesting how we can make it so much bigger than what it really is. <laughs> stories about it you know oh, so oh. i just want to say right off the bat and especially when people first start in the space is like there's this like narrative and a lot of times it comes from our religious backgrounds is like i'm getting punished and so if you have a story of like i'm getting punished or i'm victimized by this experience or any of it let it go they're just guiding they don't have an agenda they're just guiding they're just opening you and whatever you're feeling is just coming and welling up from inside there's no other entity. There's nothing coming from outside. It's all just from within ourselves. Relax, move, sing, let breathe. it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, breathe. It's a journey. It will be over. <laughs> you yeah. got to get through it, as you point out. So I also want to be clear that if you're feeling, you know, a, especially if there's a history of trauma and something really strong is coming up for you, you're experiencing flashbacks, you're experiencing somatic memories things that are coming up for you that are beyond and you know 
this is beyond my capacity to really process on my own to reach out to a professional there is times to reach out to a professional and there's times to also recognize that oh i i'm i have the agency to move through this i'll be fine yeah uh, knowing that difference is also really important which you know, in the, in the nervous system language, which is the lens I take when I talk about anything in this context, is that knowing the difference between stretch and stress. And stretch, and there's our comfort zone. Stretch is where growth happens. I'm stretching. But knowing when I'm going into stress and that overwhelm, that's the time to ask for help. Hmm, really important. Yes. And, uh, you know, one of... I, and we'll talk about this um, before we wrap today, but but this need for many more people who are in this space and trained uh, as psychedelic assisted uh, coaches or specialists or therapists who have the tools in the background, particularly to help those who are uh, challenged, whether it's with PTSD or depression or anxiety, and 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 knowing that they're coming to use. Uh, use mushrooms, psilocybin, and and being able to reach out to the right people, but with this with this large influx of people that are now utilizing them, there's also the need for having these trained professionals available to support them. So it's almost like the the supply and the demand is a bit lopsided, and especially since so many people are now aware that that these could be. Uh, wonderful tools to help them manage their depression and uh, PTSD. And so now that we're talking about it, we'll get to the protocol and we'll, we'll have this conversation. What are your feelings around uh, the need to have many more people who are trained in this space to assist people with these more traumatic experiences? Mm, so, so important. Um, psychedelics have profound ability to heal. Uh, but I, I think we also don't talk about uh, the dentures sometimes, specifically around certain nervous systems and certain kind of organizations in nervous systems. And dosage and setting is everything when we're working with an overwhelmed nervous system. And this is why so much of my practice and over the last few years has been focused on microdosing, having come from really large dose, big experience backgrounds. Uh, is that the recognition that not every nervous system is served by a large dose experience and understanding those nuances is really important. And sometimes we tremendously benefit from a big dose experience that blasts us wide open and we don't even have capacity or even opportunity to resist to let go of control. And that can be really healing. But for that to, it's not something we want to gamble. You want to really approach that from a place of um, planning and understanding and knowledge um, and design ahead of time uh, because so many people who come to these medicines and are attracted to them come with a history of trauma and trauma in essence is loss of safety and loss of safety happens when we have loss of control very often. So a lot of time experience of trauma has been experience of not having agency over what's happening and not being able to change circumstances of something that's making me feel a sense of loss of safety. So in that context, when we come to plant medicines and psychedelics, it's a, it's a feature 
of psychedelics that we lose control in this process that we have to relinquish control and as healing as that can be sometimes the control that individuals are holding on to is the only anchor they have to not come undone and so this is why having a trauma-informed lens and training in the facilitators is really important you know, and I find this term is getting thrown around a lot these days, and I want to be very clear what trauma-informed is. It's not a workshop that someone took over a last over one weekend or a book that they read. Trauma-informed involves a certain set of trainings uh, in understanding trauma, in navigating and resourcing the nervous system, developing a larger capacity in the nervous system. And there are many amazing practitioners, not just clinicians, who have these types of training. So getting curious about that, especially if we're coming from a background of having experienced trauma, it's really important that we're working in the safety of those containers where we are working in that stretch zone and not in the stress. And so much of our culture is, you know, and our understanding of healing has been around catharsis. So a lot of people expect that healing is going to be difficult and it's going to be this big experience and it's going to be cathartic and it could be, but the safe space for individuals with background of PTSD and trauma to practice is actually to gently have the option and the choice to go a little deeper and choosing to relinquish that next level of control voluntarily and feeling safe enough to unwind and feeling safe enough to let go of that next layer. And it takes time for that to unfold. Once we get to the other side, it's, it's incredibly healing and profound to develop that kind of a relationship with a plant that can hold you. Are, are you... Are, are you in the question at all if we have enough trauma-informed practitioners available to assist people who need this right now? That's a great question. Um, you know, as the need grows, it's clearly more and more challenging to have enough individuals who are qualified supporting people and have access to these individuals and even have the knowledge base to seek those individuals. You know, one thing that's a bit troubling with what's unfolding in the space is it's kind of moving very similar to cannabis space where this access is being expanded, which is wonderful. You know, we want expanded access. We want decriminalization. We want all these things, but it also comes with this layer of if you overdo this or if for certain individuals, this can actually open up more of a trouble and not be really safe and now we would have to then face the backlash from that as an industry and so knowing how to navigate the space of medicine and access for people with the right resources and i think a lot of this goes back to education you know to have a warning label you know on the products to say hey if you have history of trauma or ptsd here's where you go for some resources or at the very least, here's where you go to receive some support during an experience if you need an active trip sitter and you're having a difficult time. So I think providing some of that open source, I mean, accessible resources, hopefully, and getting more and more the word out there, the eyes out there to support people, I think is really important. But ultimately, I think it's the responsibility of providers um, especially as we get into decriminalization and co commodification of some of these, you know, medic medicines in chocolate form, in gummy form, 
is that it really, I think the responsibility lies back on the regulators and the individuals who are producing these products to provide resources, mm. to provide education to people. And people uh, like myself who are working one-on-one -on -one with people or supporting in this space in different ways to also provide a vaster um, set of resources that are accessible, not behind the paywall. You know, that people can actually access them and benefit from them and have free resources to tap into when they need to, because ultimately we're not here for profit. And of course, this is a capitalist system. Everybody reaps some profits, but we're really here with the intention of sharing these medicines with the vaster audience and doing so safely and ushering this consciousness that wants to come out after decades of prohibition uh, that it wants to come out. There's a spirit that wants to spread. And how do we hold and guide this to the best of our ability uh, to minimize harm? And I'm, unfortunately, there will be harm the way we're expanding without education. But how do we minimize it? Uh, and education, of course, being so important, accountability and responsibility. Um, and, and as you point out, particularly with those who are uh, in the space to to either deliver and or make them available to others. So very good point with that. So with microdosing, let's talk about what that is. And in fact, the dose around that and how one should approach it in terms of protocol and use, as well as particular strains and whether or not there are certain strains that might be more applicable in use for microdose versus macrodose. Mm -hmm. Great question. Yes, absolutely. So microdosing is a practice referring to ingesting uh, suprasexual doses of a psychedelic psych psychoactive substance for the purposes of improving health, well-being, mood, focus, creativity, varieties of different reasons that people microdose. Um, now that's kind of, and, and then the amount of it really depends. So anywhere from a 10th to a 20th of a full dose is a microdose. But there is no one size fits all. And ultimately, each individual's body chemistry will respond very differently, even across different times in their lives to different doses. And there's literally days that I will receive the same dose and I will barely have an experience. And another day that I'm like, wow, I'm really feeling the same dosage. So it will vary across the board. Uh, now, as far as practice, you know, there's there's two ways to really think of microdosing. There is this way that we're trained to approach all medicines, all medications, this kind of pharmaceutical approach where, oh, you take, tell me well, how much dosage, in what frequency and what time I need to take. And if there is like a taking happening, whereas the practice is a whole other level. So microdosing as a practice isn't about taking anything and going about my day and hoping that I'm receiving a bunch of benefits. Microdosing as a practice is developing a conscious relationship with the plant, with myself, with the ritual, with the container as a whole. And so it's a very different approach uh, where I'm coming to medicines with an, an intention, creating a container. And this is, you know, we named the platform Microdose Guru because it's this it's the experience of sitting with the guru the guru being our inner knowledge and the spirit of the plant 
And so when I'm microdosing in a mindful manner, is it's just like sitting with a guru. So I'm really saying I'm going to go sit with the wise one. There's going to be some information that's going to come through. So I'm going to be present. I'm going to really pay attention. I'm going to take some notes. And so that's really is the spirit of the practice where we see the most profound changes unfold, where I'm not just focused on the chemical, potential chemical benefits of a dose that I'm taking, but I'm rather focused on how is this going to help me long-term change patterns of thought, behavior, emotion, relationships. And what really happens in the framework of mindful microdosing is that it brings me into a state of deep presence, uh, into a state of mindful awareness, where I'm able to notice patterns that I couldn't see, whether it's internally or externally, before if I didn't have this mindfulness-based container. We have tracking. So I want to notice how did my dose work today? What else was I eating? What did I do yesterday? And how did that impact my dose today? So over time, tracking is really important. This is why we have journal and journaling practice. And so over time, each individual can make their own decisions about what works for them. So when we first start microdosing, I always recommend, okay, let's here is a standard protocol to get started with. Let's say four days on, three days off, you start at 100 milligram and you see how you feel. Uh, but from there, really the intention is to then develop your own dosage, your own practice, your own rhythm with the medicine and your own personal relationship because so much of this is empowering individuals. Our old way is I go to a doctor and the doctor tells me how much of something to take and now I'm completely disconnected from this process. I just do what they tell me. This practice is I'm going to develop a relationship. It's going to guide me. It's going to tell me what I need. I'm going to notice how it feels in my body based on that sensation in my body, which by the way, most of us are totally disconnected. So even this layer of reconnecting and sensing my body, so much that unfolds in that space. So this is why it's a practice. So once I'm actually noticing how it's impacting my internal state, how my external state is impacting my dosage experience, I'm empowered to make profound changes and now everything starts to shift in my life not just this one reason that i'm here to microdose but it's a whole other level of opening and consciousness that's unfolding that helps me make better choices and decisions in my life mm. are there is there a difference in terms of strains that uh, might be better utilized in microdose yeah, so we're still researching and better understanding the different strains and their potency you know, when it comes to microdosing, I'm a big fan of working with golden teachers because it's very consistent. It's consistent. I always know what I'm going to get at 100 milligram. Whereas if you take 100 milligram of penis and me, you're going to have a very different experience than 100 milligram of golden teachers. So golden teachers are gentle. They're reliable. They're easy to grow in most of the United States. And so most individuals, I recommend that they dose with golden teachers. Most products that you find in the marketplace these days in places that it is you know, decriminalized, they are golden teacher products. And so generally they're better suited. And especially for new people coming to these medicines, when you're reading about, for example, online, a full dose is three grams, for example. 
that's three grams of golden teachers. <laughs> if you take three grams of penis envy, you will have a very different experience. <laughs> Generally, that's that's my recommendation for strains. Unless you really know what you're doing and you've really done your due diligence, stick with golden teachers for now, and and then you you can explore. Uh, you know, under the guidance of professionals, other strains. Why the need to take a few days off when you are uh, working, particularly in, in when you're microdosing the three day or four days on or three or four days off? Yes, great question. And we not only do this on a daily basis, where in a week we take certain days off, but we also do this in cycles, meaning you do cycles of dosing for a few weeks, and then you take a few weeks off, completely off of medicine. And the reason for this, you can think of it as kind of like training wheels for your brain. That's my analogy for it, is that what I'm really doing is I'm showing the brain, hey, look what you're capable of doing when I'm introducing psilocybin. Look at all these ways that your brain lights up. Look at all this opportunity. Look at this creativity. Look at this attention to subtlety and your presence. Look how cool this is. Look what you're capable of doing. Okay, now I'm going to take it away. Try to do that again. Then the brain naturally, the way our brain is, is that it likes equilibrium and it likes to maintain balance. And it likes to maintain whatever the system is, is going through for a period of time, it will try to fill in the blanks. So that's just what the brain does. So if I take the medicine away, the brain will say, that was actually feeling really good. I'm gonna try to recreate it on my own. Mm -hmm. And so of course that it will not happen overnight. But what really happens is that when I give the brain a little bit and I take it away, I'm one, giving the brain opportunity to catch up, two, psychedelics lose their potency over time. So if you take three grams of large dose today and you take three grams tomorrow, you will have very different experiences over these two days because the potency, your brain can only tolerate a certain amount and then it plateaus. It will be completely ineffective. If you take large doses of psilocybin multiple days in a row by day, five, you will have no experience whatsoever with the same dose that gave you a really big five hours to six, six hours journey the first day because our, our bodies cannot process too much of it. And so that's the other reason that we take breaks in between and say, okay, we do three days, four days on, three days off. And then after a period of four to eight weeks, we take a couple weeks off where I'm saying, I'm going to take all of this away and reset the brain to its old state. And what will again happen is that the brain will try to catch up um, but the first time we do this, most individuals will say, oh, I really miss my microdose. The first time they take that two weeks off. The second time they take that two weeks off, often the feedback is, wow, my I was actually feeling like I was dosing, even though I wasn't dosing for a period of time. But then towards the end, I started missing it. And usually, and this is why I tend to recommend that people do three rounds and then give themselves a big pause to see how they're doing is that usually by the end of the third round, when they take two weeks off, the results and the benefits are longer lasting for longer weeks across the board. So often we'll see a couple months have passed and people are still feeling pretty great. And then at that point, most people will transition to an intuitive dosing, where today I feel like dosing, this week I feel like dosing, or I wanna be more creative today, or this month I feel like dosing. That's what most individuals will do, is that they'll follow a regimented protocol for a period, and then do a more of a intuitive protocol. Yeah, and this all being so supportive in helping the mind um, and the, the body, the soul, all of us really integrate what 
uh, in our regular everyday life without necessarily needing to to uh, be with the medicine uh, and, and, and learning our own intuitive path to creativity without necessarily utilizing uh, a psilocybin and or mushrooms. That being said, on the flip side of that is macro dosing, which of course is larger amounts and those experiences being so much more different. Yeah, absolutely. They're vastly different experiences. Microdosing is about presence, it's about noticing what's happening in my body and my environment. It's subtle. It's the medicine of subtlety. It's vastly different experiences because medicine of subtlety requires that I slow down and I'm extra paying attention and there is nuances that I want to notice. They're very gentle. And it's in those gentle moments that I'm able to notice things that would generally go unnoticed. And then in that, there is a wisdom, there is perspective, there's opportunity that's unfolding. Whereas in large dose experiences, it's in my face. <laughs> there is no missing what's happening. There's no subtlety whatsoever. It's often cathartic. Um, it's not always visual. There are individuals that sometimes don't have a visual experience, but the sensory experience is very much there. The consciousness is very much there. Uh, they're often paired with a strong physical experience, um, a sense of like buzzing sensation in the body, uh, and, and very um, visionary experiences. Sometimes, a lot of times, people will experience this as uh, geometric patterns and other times they will have full-blown visions of themselves or their past or um, or being in in spaces where they have experiences with animals. So it really depends on you know the space that's held, how it's held, the intention of the individual, what's present in their lives. Obviously, the dosage will vastly shift the experience. People will have an experience at one gram would be very different than an experience of like six, seven grams. Yeah. What brought you to this work and to plant medicine and mushrooms in particular? Mm, great question. Gosh, I resisted them for so long. They were in my sphere and I didn't have, you know, I wasn't gifted with conscious community at the time. And so everybody around me that was experimenting was doing so in a party setting. And this was... 15 years ago and the first time mushrooms were the first psychedelics that came into my consciousness I resisted them for a bit and then um, the first time I experienced them I was kind of blown away because at the time I was experiencing some substance dependency and I was really struggling with that and I was in outpatient rehab and whatever I was doing wasn't really working and ultimately I wasn't really understanding the root. I was just trying to address the symptom. And the first time um, I utilized a little bit of psilocybin in a contained environment with a couple uh, friends, I immediately had the experience of not experiencing any cravings for anything else. A sense of being really full. And that sense of fullness, it felt like my there was a hole in my spirit that I had been trying to fill for so long with different substances to just numb the pain that this medicine wasn't numbing. I was consciously aware of it and it was full. And coming out of that, I just knew 
that this was something I needed more of. And I didn't even know that at the time there was no evidence, no research done in this space about addictions. I just came out and I remember telling the person who had served me this medicine, um, I wish I could feel this way all the time. I wish I could just stop, you know, all the other things I'm doing that are harming me. And uh, this individual said, I will help you if that's what you would like to do. And so I had an unofficial, you know, protocol put together that was very much in party settings where I was just utilizing and experimenting a lot with psychedelics for a couple of years. But during that entire time, it completely rewired so much of my brain, my habits, the drinking, all of it just completely reset and went away. Uh, but there's a big difference between conscious use, which about a year later, it came into my consciousness, what it means to honor these medicines, where they even come from. And once I started developing that level of understanding, the experience shifted. And very quickly, I actually transitioned shortly after to working with ayahuasca vine, which often is held in very sacred ways. You study with shamans, you study with ancient traditions, you bring in those um, rituals into your experience and you learn if you're, if you're blessed and lucky, you meet the right people and meet the right teachers to then instill in you that sense of respect and reverence and mindful practice. And so I spent 10 years apprenticing and studying uh, that medicine, um, going down to Peru and studying with renowned teachers and shamans and, you know, breaking my ego and breaking all the layers of entitlement that come with our Western culture and just becoming a wholly new person, more compassionate, more kind, more graceful. Yeah. Yeah. It is so beautiful how the medicine works to help us uncover so many things, but ultimately bring us back home to ourselves. And um, I think that is the magic, one of the, the magic and mystical, uh, profound experiences that, that people find themselves in. Your background also is quite interesting in the end that, um, and, and not just background in terms of work, but I mean like life background and uh and to, to see where you've come from and being here in the United States and now working with this medicine, supporting people in so many various ways. Are you, are you um, surprised? Are you delighted? Are you, you know, when, you, when you look yourself in the mirror and you think, ah, look at myself, Anahita, look at what, like what comes to mind for you? Oh my goodness. It's, it's incredible. It's such a wild life and such a blessing to find myself here um, and to be gifted in this way it truly feels that way. When I look back at what life could have been, you know, if the medicines weren't here, if I wasn't here. And so coming from background of growing up under rocket bombs and living in, you know, being in jail cells in Iran and growing and, and living in refugee camps and witnessing so much suffering and working so hard to then attain what you think is like the dream life and then having that and recognizing that's not it. <laughs> and to me, the, the plant medicines are the greatest gift that showed up in my life on my path. I have no idea, not, no aspect of my life has been left untouched. Um, by this experience and 
Um, even if I think the only piece was my career up until seven years ago that was untouched by this experience. But even that shifted about seven years ago where I realized I just needed to leave my corporate life and background and focus myself to sharing the medicine um, of mind-body medicine and then later weaving psychedelics into this space. Um, it's been, a, I just look myself in the mirror and I cannot believe that this is the life that we get to live and so much respect and reverence for the teachers and my family for bringing me here and just just so many pieces had to come together for this configuration to be here that I couldn't have written that in any vision board. Yeah, what a beautiful, beautiful journey. And I'm sure that those of you all who are watching and listening um, will be equally amazed by Anahita's uh, life story. You can find out all of that uh, in the show notes on this episode, as well as links in the description on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, so that you can learn more about her, learn more about uh, Microdosing Guru and all that she she has there. Again, all available for you to explore on the show notes page, as well as if you're watching on YouTube uh, to, to find there. And by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, please do us a huge favor and subscribe, hit the notification bell so that you can be informed by each and every episode that is released. Anahita, before we wrap, um, I would love, I ask this of all of my beautiful healers and people that are in the space joining us in these conversations for change here on The Way of the Healer. What for you is um, the path and the way of the healer? Mm, so beautiful. And there is a <laughs> there is a concept that I've been really marinating and working with that's really juicy these days, and is this term um, permissionary. Mm. <laughs> and I'm just really feeling into this and, and allowing its wisdom to permeate through my life and the work that I do. Because I'm finding that so much of our suffering comes from our contractions and holding ourselves back and pulling ourselves back because of pro programming, conditioning, shame, not feeling enough. There's so many layers that I'm just holding back who I truly am and my full expression and my authenticity that I think the role of a permit, when I'm thinking about who has had the most profound impact in my life has been people who through their presence, sometimes their teachings, but so much of it was just witnessing them being the full expression of their authentic beauty that gave me the permission to embrace those parts of me that I was hiding, mm. that I had banished, to bring them all back. Because this is, you can only heal from a place of wholeness when I'm allowing the beauty and the shadow and the parts that I don't like so much and the parts that I adore, bring them all back together into one place. And, and for that to happen, it requires that the healer is also that integrated individual with the light and shadow, highlighting all the aspects of our being and is becoming that permissionary, permission to shine, permission to be messy, permission to be human, permission to be loud, permission to be yourself. So to me, that's the path of the healer. That is so beautifully said. And, and I often 
in my conversations with people about healing is is that ultimately it's being in the awareness of of our wholeness as you pointed out and that really there's nothing that's broken and there's nothing that needs to be fixed and there's really nothing wrong and in that as you point out is like if we are in contraction if we're in the space of always focusing in on the woundedness part that healing it can't happen. And I love the way that you put that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah so beautiful. Uh, again, thank you for being here, Anahita. You're such a gift to the world. And I just enjoy uh, the conversations that we have and your mentorship and leadership. Uh, all of you all who are watching, please do yourself a huge favor and follow all the links and all the things that we have so you can learn more about the work that she's doing. I love you, my friend. Thank you for being here and thank everyone for watching and listening. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Daria. Did you know this podcast is a part of an even larger docu-series? Yep, there is an entire documentary underway called The Way of the Healer, where I introduce you to extraordinary women from around the world who are transforming lives with the use of plant medicine and psychedelics. You can learn more about it at thewayofthehealer.com. Thanks for being a part of my day and for listening. Be sure to check out the website, thewayofthehealer.com, for more details, useful tools and links, free resources, and more. Disclaimer, the Way of the Healer Conversation for Change podcast and its host and guests are providing this information for educational purposes only. We do not condone nor condemn the selling, purchase, or use of any substances that are considered outside of legal acquisition or usage. We encourage discretion and safety when involving yourself or others with substances and activities that are deemed illegal by your official local government laws and agencies. It is your responsibility to research and know applicable laws.